0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church and reaching the nations. He serves as a lead pastor of Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. We pray, God, as we study your word today, that you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts, and you would transform our lives. We thank you, Lord, that every time your word is spoken, every time your word is read and meditated upon, we know that, Lord, you are changing us in one way or another. And so we welcome the Spirit of God to convict us and instruct us and encourage us. And ultimately to transform us into your likeness. And we thank you that that is exactly what you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Again, the title of this message is called A Real Relationship. Every time I talk about hearing the voice of God, I always start with relationship. And the reason I do that is because I believe in order for us to understand how to hear God's voice in our lives, we need to grasp the context for which we hear him. And the context really is the nature of our relationship with him. Hearing the voice of God is actually all about knowing God. That's what it's all about. And a lot of times what we do when we seek to hear God, we don't realize that we do it, but we have presuppositions when we come to God and ask him to speak to us. And a lot of times, if you're, you're, maybe you're not aware of this, but you're like, Lord, speak to me. And what we really mean is, God, tell me what you want me to do. And that presupposition that's embedded into that request is that God only wants to tell us things to do, and that's the value of our relationship. And what I wanna do over these next many weeks is broaden our relationship with God, our understanding of it, because God is not just trying to give us marching orders. There's a lot more that he has to say if he is in fact our heavenly father. The Bible tells us very clearly that God is our father. That's why this is all about Relationship. One of the most important things in relationship or a good relationship is to have good communication. You know this in marriage. It's when, when we do premarriage counseling, my wife and I have done this many times. And you know, as a pastor, you just get thrown into counseling whether you're a good one or not. And so you just, I mean, I'm on one couch, wonderful people are on the other, and we just end up in this environment of listening. And what you find out is in marriage, the biggies are not sex and money, although they they are. It's really all about love. That's a heart thing. But secondarily, it's about good communication. You have to have good communication with your spouse or you will not have a good relationship. Married people say amen. amen. And this goes for every relationship, doesn't it? And so what we find is that God wants to have this with us. Our relationship with God is not just us faxing prayers to heaven and hoping He hears them, but God wants to speak to us. He wants us to hear His voice. And before I go any further, I need to say this because we are a a house that believes in the authority of Scripture. When I talk to you No matter what I say or how I say it, you need to know that underneath it, I always mean that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit within the context of God's word. If we ever believe that we hear the voice of God and it contradicts the word of God, it is not the Lord. And so I just, I'm going to say that because that is who we are and that is what we will always believe. God's word is the house and everything the Holy Spirit speaks to us fits within that house but we still do need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us about our heart. He speaks to us about our jobs. He speaks to us about relationships. He speaks to us about future. He speaks to us about our church. He speaks to us today. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, but it doesn't mean that we're always listening. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Jesus is the shepherd His people are the sheep. This is a very clear metaphor. Sheep need a shepherd. They are followers by nature. And Jesus says that my sheep hear me, they know me. Now, I want you to think about that word know. That is not just know about. This word know is to be intimately acquainted with. This speaks of relationship. My sheep hear me, they know me. And it's within that context that I believe we hear him and hear him clearly. And then Jesus finally says, and they follow It's this three-pronged truth that we see from Jesus Christ himself. And I found that when our pursuit of hearing the voice of God is not embedded into the reality of relationship, our hearing will be at minimum askew or really dim. I believe that if we really want to hear the voice of God clearly, then we have to be pursuing our relationship with him. We can't demand God say to us what we want people would talk to Jesus and then he would ask them a question that seemingly wasn't even related to what they were asking him about. Why? Because sometimes God is saying something to us and it has nothing to do with what we think we need to hear. And so when we come to God and want to hear his voice, we have to be available to whatever it is that he wants to say. And it may not simply address whatever seems to be pressing on our life and on our heart in that moment. Why? Because he always knows what we need. And this, I find, is very important. It could be said that if you don't see God the right way, then you won't hear what he has to You got to work with me more than that. (laughs) I work hard on this stuff, you know. All right, that that didn't go so well. I got a couple more. I got a couple more. We're going to lighten it up a little bit here and there. It's important for us as we continue to talk about hearing the voice of God that we realize we were created for relationship with God. This is just a fundamental part of who we are as human beings. And in order to grasp this issue, we must understand this very thing. From the book of Genesis, we read where the Bible opens with the creation account. God creates everything. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, he creates the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and the land and the animals. And last but not least, God creates Adam and Eve, the first human beings. And in fact, he says in Genesis 1, 26, he says, let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps, all the stuff he's already made. Let them rule over that. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Now, I want this to go just down into our hearts. And don't you for a second say, well, that's, that, that's just simple stuff. No, it is not. We were created in the image of God. That means every person sitting next to you and every person that you see on a daily basis, yearly basis, or whatever, is an image bearer of God, whether you like them or not. <laughs> we are image bearers of God. We are special. You know, we use that terminology to almost put someone down, you know, that person just really special. <laughs> but the truth is, every person actually is really special. You might be a hiker, you might be an outdoorsy person, and you might even be a person that likes to look into a telescope and look up into the stars and you see the stars and the vast array of the, whatever part of the universe we can actually see from a telescope. Or maybe you look at a mountain and you go, that is fantastic, that is amazing, that is awesome, I can't even believe it. We see that and we marvel and we go, oh my, my goodness, that's, that's amazing. But all of that pales in comparison to the person sitting next to you. All of it pales in comparison to the person that you see when you look in the mirror. I'm not saying this just to make you encouraged. I'm saying it to you because it's true. Nothing else in all creation was made to be in the image of Almighty God. It's a mystery, isn't it? What does that mean? We will forever be understanding what what all of this means. We were made to be like God in relationship with God. And this is critical to understand We're special. Nothing else was made to interact with God the way that we were. I believe he gave us a capacity to understand him, at least in a limited fashion. The Psalms talk about when God spoke, like stars were framed. I mean, it's just such a beautiful picture. Spoke and universes came into being. Like, this is God. And they had to, everything in all creation yields to his voice. But you know what's special about us? When God speaks to you and I, we can interact with him. Amen. Nothing else has that like we do. Nothing in all of creation. And the way that I understand this, again, this is the, my theoretical part of the sermon, is that this is a, this is a hard drive, that I have. I don't even know how they made them so small. They used to be as big as this room, right? It's like 2 terabyte hard drive, right? And, you, and if, this can't get stolen. This is an important thing right here. So I believe that God created us in his image and he gave us a capacity and that he could download Onto our hard drive. We could hear him, understand with him, interact with him. God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and he would speak to them. And we see this from Genesis 2 and 3, and he would say to them things like, this is in my imagination, that's the sky, and that's water, and whatever God said is truth. And we actually knew nothing else. There's nothing to suggest to us in the beginning of the creation account that we had another voice, including our own, to try to negotiate with the voice of God. And you have to get what I'm saying because when God walked with us, he was our source. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4? And he was being tempted by the devil, and the devil was trying to get him to do different things. And Jesus says to the devil, man does not live life, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Life comes from the words of God. Amen. That is all we knew when we were created. Whatever God said was truth, and he alone was our source. Amen. And so what this is what we have. We have the ability to understand God. And this picture of relationship that we see from the beginning was beautiful, but it was common for human beings to interact with God and to hear his voice. In fact, today it seems abnormal, I think, sometimes because media, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, all right? So if you're really on YouTube and that's your thing, you know, during this fast, you might want to... You know who you are. But I do think that the spirit of the age, the enemy, there is a conspiracy, so to speak, or I would call it an agenda, in order to make normal Christianity look crazy. And so they'll stick a camera in front of somebody's face that might actually be crazy. And they say, look at this person who says God is speaking to them. And everybody in this room knows that person is not hearing from God. In fact, we're wondering if that person has ever even met the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's not hard, right, to debunk some of what I'm saying if you want to put, as a poster child, somebody that just is not in their right mind. But I think that is actually what's happening. But as biblical Christians, we cannot shake our head at this issue and act as though we are not meant to and designed to hear the voice of God because in the Bible, this was normal. It was normal for people to communicate with God. It was normal for people to hear his voice, which is why we need to understand it rather than assume it. Well, what does that mean? That's what we're going to talk about. So we see this relationship with God in the creation account, but we know that our relationship with God was damaged, and that is through our sin. God calls Adam and Eve to steward the earth, as as we've read, but there was... There was one thing that they could not have. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it, it says, Then the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and to keep it. And he commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Now, I find the name of this tree very interesting, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You could call that another source for in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. God introduced a choice. Now, this is why I believe in what we call free will. Now, I believe in limited free will, and it's why I'm not a Calvinist. It's why I'm not a determinist. I believe that God has given us a level of free will. I think this is a picture of that from the very beginning. And what you see from this is that he gives us what I would call limited... I didn't choose the color of my skin. I didn't choose who my parents would be. I didn't choose what generation I would be born. I have limited free will, but I believe we do have free will. God gives them a choice, and I think the name of the tree also introduces a new source for us to obtain knowledge outside of God being our sole and only source. How do we know this? Because Genesis chapter 3, as we continue... The story, we see how Adam and Eve disobey God and walk away from what he told them. God gave them a command by which they could discern any other voice that would ever come along in their life. Now look what happens in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. And it says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. We know that the serpent is the devil because the Apostle Paul later in one of his letters, I believe it's to the Corinthians, says the "The serpent of old, the devil. So he identifies clearly that the serpent is the devil. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed... Has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it. And sometimes people say that the word, you know, the touch it idea is an extension going beyond what God had said. I just want to keep us focused. That might be true, but we keep going. Not touch it or you will die. And the serpent said, you will not die. I've been working on that. Are you with me? (laughs) You will not surely die. I don't know how to... I just kind of wanted somebody to pop out from the back and do it for me, you know? (laughs) For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. (laughs) When the woman saw the tree was good for food, Now, here's a principle. The longer that we listen to the voice of the enemy, the more appealing evil and temptation becomes. The longer that we listen to the voice of the enemy, the more appealing sin and temptation becomes. She saw the tree was good for food and it was a delight to her eyes and the tree was desirable. All of a sudden, disobedient sin was desirable to her. To make her wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband, who was with her, and he ate as well. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Now they could see what they previously could not see. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. The devil was allowed to tempt Adam and Eve to disobey God. We call this the fall of man. The temptation from the devil was for them to be like God without God they were already made in the image of God. And he was saying to them, basically, that you're deficient and God is holding out on you. He knows that if you do what he told you not to do, that you will have what he doesn't want you to have because he's holding out on you. See, that really is a lot of the temptation of the enemy. It's to get us to see God through the wrong lens, Instead of God being our heavenly Father who loves us, who has what's best for us in mind, who we can utterly and completely trust, the enemy will want to distort our view of God. That is one of his primary attacks on all of us, that God is not good. God is good, but he wants to twist that. And he's trying to draw us to go against the voice of God in our life. Their sin became our sin and this caused a fracture of relationship and as a consequence, a disconnection in our hearing of God as well, our ability to hear him. And this is why we needed a savior because Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. Many things happened. I can't go through the whole story. You, you know many of these things, but many things happened from that time until the time that Jesus came. But Jesus was the plan of God to give his life as a sacrifice in order to bring us into right relationship with our heavenly Father. And I think this is absolutely important that we realize that that is how we hear the voice of God. It's we come back into relationship. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 at the tail end of this situation that he had with a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus actually repents before Jesus. There's a crowd that sees all of this And Jesus says out loud, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost was our relationship with God. And Jesus came to reconnect us to the father. The word save here could mean restore and the word lost could mean damaged. He came to restore what was damaged. And let me just say this to you, and this is so important. Salvation through Christ is not just about what we are saved from. Hell, death, and destruction, although that is noteworthy and that is important, but rather it is all about what we are saved for. And this we must not lose. When I first started going to a church when I got saved, the call was always about what you're saved from. Jesus came to save us from our sins. That is actually true. And we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And I was excited about that. When I heard the call, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, I thought, amen, sign me up, that's amazing. But you know, the longer that I walked with Jesus, the more I was confused about what that even meant, because I realized I don't even know how to have a good relationship with human beings, let alone God. And there were a lot of assumptions that get made in churches is that like, if I were to say to you, hey, you guys should pray more, my assumption is that you even know what that means. And I've learned when you follow Jesus that sometimes we talk about things that we don't really understand. Like, do we really know how to pray? I mean, is there any experts on prayer in the room? No hands, huh? No, because this is about relationship. And you can't learn the art of relationship just by reading the Bible. You have to enact it. You have to put it into practice. You have to get up every day and spend time in the presence of God. There are no experts in the room about having a relationship with God. None of us. There are some of us that know the Bible really well, there are some of us that can teach, there are some of us that are gifted, there are some of us that have experience, and all of that is wonderful, but the fact is that none of us own the block on relationship with God. It is a daily thing. It is something that we've been invited into that Jesus secured permanently through his death and resurrection, and now we will forever be learning what relationship with God really looks like. Did you know that eternal life is actually all about relationship with God? This is what Jesus said in John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life. Mansions and Rolls Royces, hills and valleys, beautiful land and the sweet by and by. That's the King James Version. The old, 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 Elizabethan English. No, no, he doesn't say that. He says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is what eternal life is all about. It is about knowing him personally, knowing him intimately. Ephesians chapter two, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off in your sin have been brought near by the blood of Christ, near enough to hear him again. When, we've, when we realize we've been restored, restored to what? What did Jesus come to restore us to? Relationship. That's what we see back in the garden. That's what God wants with us today. And religion can sometimes get in the way of that, and we need to be very careful that we don't allow religious activity to be somehow what it is that we're supposed to be doing in this beautiful salvation that Jesus has paid for. Jesus died to bring us into a relationship that's close enough to hear him. God wants us to hear his voice more than we want to hear him. God wants us to hear his voice. And this is crucial to understand. Sometimes people talk to me like, oh, that's, that's like elementary things. Really? Really? It's elementary It it makes it feel like we really get all of that. Like, if we were standing in the presence of God, I don't think we would say some of the same things that we tend to say in front of each other. Just my thought. (laughs) But what's really powerful is the kind of relationship that we've been invited into. God is our father, as we talk about relationship with God, it's, an, it's important to understand what kind of relationship. Jesus introduced God as our Father, and He lived as a perfect Son to give us an example of what man, rightly related to the Father, looks like. When we look at Jesus, this is what we're invited into, the relationship. Thirteen times in the Gospel accounts, Jesus went off to the mountain to pray, to be alone with his heavenly Father. Every time you see a picture in the Gospels of Jesus having communion with the Father, it is a beautiful invitation of the Father drawing you and I into his presence to have that same kind of communion. We were created for this. And even in this life, we can share in some of that. Now, in the Old Testament... Israel had a perspective that communally God was the father of all. That was the perspective. There is a handful of scriptures where God is made a little more personal, where one of the prophets would mention that God was our father or my father, but it's it's not really something that was accepted. Like Jesus was almost killed. One of the reasons that they wanted to kill him was because he referenced and referred to God as his father. And they would say, equating yourself to be God. God. There's a reference in the book of John where that's actually said. He was making God personal because God actually is. He is, the, he is our heavenly father. Now, I just want to shotgun some verses at you. I won't be able to exegete these. I won't be able to properly dissect them. But I just want to show you what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount and other places. He said in Matthew 5.15, he said, "'Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket.'" But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he says, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Matthew five forty four. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you might be sons of? Matthew 5, Therefore, you are to be perfect as? This is, this is a, like Jesus is prophesying. This is what Jesus came to secure. This is what Jesus came to give his life for, to reconnect us back to your Father. Luke eleven two. 2, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. And what this shows us is that when we even come to prayer, how we see God and how we address God matters. It is the first thing for us to understand about prayer. And God is a good father. He wants to coach us. He wants to shape us. He wants to transform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He does this through the Holy Spirit. We approach God as a father. How do you see God? How do you see God? Not just theologically, theoretically, but do you see him as a father? Can I talk to you straight for a second? I'm going to anyways, but I like to get some agreement, you know. We're working together here. I had a moment one time I was working at a church. I was helping a small church out. They had a bunch of mold in the building, and so we went and ripped out the walls. Now, we didn't get permits. I'm sorry. This was a long time ago. We would never do that at Northwest Church. But they were struggling, and, and so so a bunch of us went over there to just it, it, mucking is when you just rip out all this stuff from water damage and you take out all the mold. So we went over there and we just gave them our labor and we, we took out all this stuff. And um, I had some moments at that time. This was a long time ago. I went into the sanctuary and I just sat down and I'm sitting there in the sanctuary. I'm, I'm eating a sandwich and I'm just praying. I'm thanking the Lord. And in that moment, I, I put all my stuff aside and I started, this is exactly what happened. I started to pray Okay, and you've probably, you probably had this happen to you before. And I'm just like, Father God, I thank you. Father God, Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all th- three in one, one in three. Thank you. <laughs> Love you. You know, uh, you've done this. Now, I, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for a couple of you. I know it's, it, it, it's going it, uh, to come off how it does. But this is the truth. So I'm just telling you what happened. And I've, I had a moment where I could hear myself have you ever had that happen? You can hear yourself, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and you know, God is not like an English professor, where he's like, you I mean, he shouldn't say it that way. And you know, that's just really. Sometimes when we pray with other people, we're embarrassed because we think like he's an English lit professor, right? Like everybody around us is like, well, that person really doesn't know anything about Jesus, do they? You know? I want to tell you something God's not like that. He's got a sense of humor. Look at your neighbor, he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> A sense of humor, straight up. It's the truth. I was sitting there, and I could hear myself, and I just was embarrassed. I just thought, what in the world? And you know, a scripture that came to me, it's Exodus thirty-three, 11, and God speaks about Moses, and he's basically saying, you know, this is how I speak to, to prophets, dreams, and visions, but not with my servant Moses. And he says this in Exodus thirty three eleven. If it's 12, I'm sorry, but it's right in there. Not with my servant Moses. I speak to him face to face like a man speaks to his friend. Now, God is God Almighty, and I wouldn't suggest any irreverence whatsoever. But he doesn't expect me to understand his Godhood. And somehow come up. He came down. He came down so that he could relate to me. I can't come up and try to relate to him. He does that for me. I'm his creation. I need his help to even comprehend him. And so he speaks to us face to face like a He's talking about Moses. But when that hit me, I just thought, I dropped a lot of the hallelujahs and Father God, Father God, Father, you know, and all of that. And all of a sudden, I started to speak to God in a very real way. And this kind of relation where God was my father and I spoke to him like he was my dad. And it was almost like a reverend at first, but I realized I need to speak to him like he's that real because he is. Like this thing is really real. God really is right present with us right now. He hears our prayers. We're not praying and it bounces off the ceiling. Like he wants us to be aware that we can just talk to him. You don't have to be good at it. You just have to do it. It's the invitation that we've been given in this relationship and we just drop some of the religious baggage at times. I'm sorry to say it that way, but we kind of need to take a step back and realize this is a real relationship that God has given to us. It's exciting. He's not criticizing how we do it. He wants us just to do it. And I think a lot of us get hindered whether we know it or, or, or not. I've told you some of my story where I married my wife. I was 24. She was 27. She had a 9 and 11-year-old. And I adopted her boys. And, and it, it's amazing. I don't know how to explain it, but at that age and stage of my life, to be the answered prayer for two boys that have prayed with their mother for years to have a father, and then all of a sudden, do-do-do-do, you know? You don't, really, you don't really know how to feel. Can I... Tell the truth. All right. So at first I was just really honored, to be honest with you. And I've always felt that way. I've never, I don't want anybody to think well of me. I, I never thought of it like that. You know, I've gotten a minister to a lot of people as a result of it because blended families are all over the world. And so that's been a beautiful thing. But when I entered into that, I, I the first six months were awesome. You know, they had been praying for a dad. Now they got a dad to play basketball with, to get ice cream with, to say yes when mom says no. All of the stuff that dads are good for. First six months were great, but then all of a sudden it was like, what, what, why, why are you talking to me like that? Then, 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 the, then the correction came. You know, because I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, and so, and we don't give gold stars for effort, all right? We're looking for, you know. I'm saying stuff without saying it. You understand what I'm trying to get at, all right? I'm a good dad. I'm just, you know, we're straight up. So I could see it in their face. I think they're thinking, I'm not sure if I want dad. I think me and mom, were just fine. I'm not, I'm not sure if I want, I'm not sure if that, pra- can we change the prayer? Is that, can we send him back? That's sort of how I felt. I mean, I was utterly committed, covenant and everything, old enough to know what I did, but they weren't so sure you could just see it on their face. And you know what I learned is, is that just because they now had a father didn't mean that they knew how to embrace a father. And it didn't mean that they knew how to embrace their sonship and what their position was with a father. And I think that we as Christians get it messed up too. I think sometimes, you know what, as a pastor, you want to know I get worried about? When we sing songs about you're a good, good father, you know what I worry about? I worry that what we mean is not what the Bible teaches. I worry that when we say you're a good, good father, that you're a good, good father because I get what I want. And when I'm in a jam, you pull me out. And when I, what I'm thinking is what you're thinking and what I'm feeling is what you're feeling because you're a good, good father. And I can't even imagine that you would feel differently than me because you're so good. Good. You're a good, good dad. You're a good, good I were, I were as a pastor, sometimes I sit on the front row, and not just here, but but my whole pastoral life where I've just been like, God, may it not be that we think you're good because we want what we want and we wanna get what we want. And then we're disillusioned when we don't and we don't think you're good anymore and we let the enemy's voice tell us that you're holding out on us, that we're deficient, that something's missing, and you're not the one to give it to us because you're really not good. But what if it's our twisted mind? What if it's that we don't realize a father always has our a good father, a heavenly father has our best interests in mind and that even when he says things that are difficult, it's still a good word. That it might seem harsh, but it's because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Sometimes the hardest things in our life Bring us to the best place that we could ever be. It's like C.S. Lewis said, and you're welcome for this. There's a book called The Problem of Pain, and I recommend it highly. He says this, now you, you gotta follow, it's older language. He says, by the goodness of God, we mean nowadays almost exclusively his lovingness. And in this we may be right, and by love, in this context, most of us mean kindness. The desire to see others than the self-happy, not happy in this way or in that, but just happy. What would really satisfy us would be a God who has said of anything we happen to like doing, what does it matter so long as they are all contented? It gets worse. (laughs) We want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as a grandfather in heaven. (laughs) A senile, benevolent one Just hear what he's saying. Don't take it personal. Just, just, as they say, like to see young people enjoying themselves and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said at the end of each day, a good time was had by all. I should very much like to live in a universe which was governed on such lines, but since it is abundantly clear that I don't, and since I have reason to believe nevertheless that God is love, I conclude that my conception of love needs correction, He's talking about the difference between a father and a grandfather, and that we can easily confuse the two, which means that we confuse our relationship, which means that we're not necessarily hearing what he's saying. Because we might mistake what God is saying for something, we might mistake what God is saying and think it's the devil. We might think that it's somebody that's just being harsh or negative. But you look at Proverbs that say, a person that can't accept correction, this is the NIV, sorry, is stupid. That's the Bible. I kind of like it, you know. I kind of like that verse for myself. If God always agrees with us, I just want to park right there for a second. If God always agrees somehow with the way that I think, Maybe it is that I'm not truly available to what he's really saying to me in my life. Maybe I've let my intellect become my God. Smile. God's a good father. This is the relationship that we've been invited into. And what we have to have is utter and complete trust and availability to what he's saying to us in our life. I want to share with you just uh, briefly the principles that I have for developing our relationship with God. And the first one is repentance. You cannot have ears that hear the voice of God if you do not have a life of repentance Because a life of repentance says that you're the Lord and I'm subject to what you say. It means that I often have to turn my back on things that I easily go to in order to turn towards you and what you're saying. That's what a life of repentance truly is. It's where we have to turn from the stuff that leads us down the road where the devil's like, good job. And it doesn't always look like grotesque sin. Sometimes it looks like it's filled with blessing and bounty, and prosperity. Yeah, sometimes the enemy uses that kind of stuff to distract us. Repentance is so important. When Jesus came preaching in his ministry, when the first things he said when he stepped into his ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is that God loved us so much he sent his son to do what we couldn't do, And his sacrifice for us means that we can be forgiven and restored back to relationship. But when we are restored back to relationship, we got to give him the hard drive back. Man does not live by bread alone, what I think I need, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've got to flush the hard drive from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and give it back to him and say, whatever you say, whatever you download, whatever you put on this is the truth and I submit myself to your lordship, and I'm going to doubt my doubts, and I'm going to reject my rejection, and I'm not going to trust my intellect per se. I'm not saying that our brains aren't important. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to be a student of you. I'm going to be a disciple, a learner of the words and the ways of Jesus. I have made a conscious decision that what you say is more important than what I think Then what you say is more important than how I feel. Think about it for a minute. When you're not a Christian, you just do what you want to do. You go where you want to go. You say what you want to say. And you've got no accountability system that you are listening to. Now we all, through our conscience, will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. But we are rejecting that voice. And when we turn to Christ, we are accepting the voice of the Holy Spirit. We are accepting the word of God. And we are repenting from anything less than what it says. And you know what? You cannot hear God alone. The reason he gave us the word of God, in my opinion, one of the primary reasons, is because it keeps us all accountable to the same standard. Which means we just can't turn from one another, and that's not what the word says. It's like, okay, well, let's do this together, what does it say? What is the Holy Spirit saying? I always shriek a little bit when people go, well, that's just what God told me. And I'm like, well, he hasn't given you divine authority as he has given to his word. And so that means that it is important that in community that we hear together and we test and we weigh what it is that you're saying so that repentance can be a part of our process. Oh, man. I've been on prayer teams, leading prayer teams, praying for folks since the beginning of my Christian walk and, and I prayed for thousands and thousands of people and I mean that. I'm not, I mean, I have just prayed for a lot of people. It's been the joy of my life. I, I love that. It doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody. It just, that's just what I, I love to do and, and as I pray for people, sometimes they'll come up and they'll say, Pastor Ben, I, I, will you pray for me for a new job? And I'll go, okay, I, I'll do that. Why? It's because my boss is a jerk <laughs> and, and, and no matter what he, she does, says, whatever, like they're, just, they're just hardened, and they're terrible, and I just, I just need to be in a new environment. And, and maybe they've done all of the things that come into my head, but here's what comes into my head. The words of Jesus that say, love your enemies, pray for those that despitefully use you. I, I can't lie to you. I got to tell you the truth. When people say these things to me, what comes into my mind, because I've had jobs too, I've had bosses that were difficult too, I've had people in my family that were hard too, I'm like you, you're like me. But sometimes we don't practice the word. So we're like, God, give me a new job because we're already predisposed towards that's what he wants to do in our life. But we don't recognize that we could be not hearing the voice of God because we're not available to the voice of God. We've already decided what we want. We've already decided what we need. We're not praying for the boss. We're not praying for the coworker. We're not praying for the family member. We've already decided that if it's not for me, if it doesn't make me feel good, that it's not something that I need to be involved in. And so we get out of situations where Jesus might have just put us into that situation so that we could be the game changer. But if he can't speak to us and change our attitude and our heart, we will not be Christ in those situations. And so here we are, Ben. Pastor Ben, how do I hear the voice of God? Repentance. Repentance. It's not easy to lay hands on someone and say, have you prayed for this person? Have you sought God, because if you start to see God, maybe God will say, they lost a loved one last year, and it's not personal. They're not ta- they're taking it out on you, but something happened to them. Will you begin to pray for their healing? See, then you start to hear the voice of God because you're in business with him, and you're about what he's about, and you're no longer wondering what he's saying because you're hearing him speak to you because you're others focused. This is what repentance does. It turns us around. It- It stops us from navel gazing and blaming people, but rather owning a responsibility to be like Jesus in the world. And I'll tell you what, you will start to hear the beautiful voice of the Lord Jesus Christ when you desire nothing else than to be like Jesus Christ. And repentance puts us in a position to hear Him. How do I hear the voice of God? Live a life of repentance. We have to live it. There's no, there are so many methods. I'm skeptical of, of preachers that go, here's the secret. Where's the secret? It's in the Word of God. Amen. Don't give those people money. <laughs> here's the mystery. The mystery has been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery that the Holy Spirit would live in common people like you and me. The mystery has been given to us. Now, it's about a lifelong pursuit of knowing Jesus and following him and not ourselves, Put, denying ourselves, dethroning ourselves, carrying our cross and following him. You want to hear the voice of God? Let me just say it's in the context of relationship where he is first. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but we have to, we have to mean that and our ears will hear Our ears, are you available to the voice of God? Are we available to the voice of God in our life? You hearing me? No no fruit, don't throw nothing. (laughs) Give your hard drive back. I'm not saying our thoughts don't matter. We all have opinions and views and perspectives and all of that, but ultimately, if we don't lay them all down at the feet of Jesus because his perspective and his views matter more than anything else, and sometimes we just need to be people that don't know stuff because we really don't. I've got a lot more to say, but I don't have any time to say it. (laughs) I was going to talk to you about renewing and receiving. We need to renew our minds. This is what I'm talking about. Repentance opens us up for our minds to be renewed. Sometimes the Lord says things to me that are difficult, but they're never harsh. They're never harsh. Sometimes they're pruning words but they're never hard. I, I always, this is what I tell the Lord and this is what I submit to you. When I'm in prayer, I say this to the Lord. I don't have to say it to the Lord, but I do. And I say, Lord, I wanna hear whatever you have to say, no matter what it is. I just pray that you never stop speaking to me and you continue to help me have ears to hear. Because if it's hard to hear, it might be one of the most life-changing things that I need. It's never harsh because he's a good, good father. Father and he knows what I need. Amen? Amen. Will you stand as we pray and close? I want us to set our hearts before the Lord. Our relationship with him is that he's Lord, and we're followers. And we want to hear him, but that means that we need to position ourselves properly in our relationship with him. Whatever you want to say, whatever you have to say, just help us to hear. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. You are the Lord, and we are your people And we ask, Lord, that where we're missing it, you would help us to see. Lord, I pray that we could see you as the heavenly father that you are, that you are fathering us, you're instructing us, you're instilling identity in our lives, that we can be secure in you. We can have confidence in you. We can walk upright because of you. We can walk with our heads held high because of what Jesus did for us. We can can know that your intentions for us are good because they are. You would not have sent Jesus to give his life for us if your intentions were not utterly and completely good. So we trust you today and we want to hear your voice, Lord, and we recognize that sometimes we have ears of the flesh, but I pray that we would hear through the Holy Spirit. Teach us your will and teach us your ways, we pray today. Help us to walk with you in closer and closer relationship. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.